Okay, I'm going to talk to you today on how to provoke encounters with God. Three ways to provoke encounters with God. Are you ready? Okay, come with me please to the book of Genesis chapter 37. The book of Genesis chapter 37. Gracias Jesus. Just got to get there. One second. Okay, now watch this. Three ways, but not limited to. There's always more. But three ways to encounter, to provoke encounters with God. Did you know that God wants you to provoke him? You guys with me? Remember, I'm one of them talkback preachers. Hi, my name's Andrew. I'm a talkback preacher. It's been a couple of weeks since I last preached here. Hi, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because, you, you know, sometimes I do say, God, we need to, like, what's going on? We need creative miracles here. People need new tongues. Okay, Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to start from verse 1. Now, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's now in the third generation of the blessing. And we're going to start looking at the fourth generation of the blessing. Now, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, okay, Joseph was the second youngest son. Okay, Benjamin was the youngest. Not our Benjamin, this Benjamin. Okay, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. Now, quick question here. Whose flock was it? Say that again. His father's, his father's flock. Joseph was feeding his father's flock. He was tending his father's flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Belah and the sons of Zil- Zilpah. I probably haven't said that right if you're a Greek scholar, but that's all right. Jesus loves me. And that's all that matters to me. Um, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. What he said was, these guys are messing up here. Okay? And I'm not going to get into that story because it's a different story. Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Sometimes you're hated for actually telling the truth when it actually isn't convenient to someone else's exposure. Now, Israel, or Jacob, Israel was Joseph's new name. Sorry, Jacob's new name, the covenant name. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. This is a bad thing. When a parent decides to love a child more than the other children, it brings disparity, jealousy, and contention. Okay, that's completely separate to my message. He loved Joseph more than all his other children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So you were already in a pit digging with a spade, and you upgraded to a backhoe or a digger. You guys know those excavators? So he went from a shovel to an excavator. He's like, I just told on you guys, I'm already my my father's favorite. By the way, I've had a dream. By the way, the dream is you're going to bow down to me. So their hatred escalated towards him. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. And they were were building, they were binding sheaths in the field. And then behold, my sheave arose, which is a sheave is basically old school hay bale. And instead of putting it into a little hay block brick, 
they would actually stand them all together and tie it round. So you'd have all of the, the stalks with all of the heads of the grain at the top, and they'd be tied like a, that's what a sheave was. Okay, and my sheave arose um, and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheave. So he's giving a harvest. He's like, my harvest is greater than yours. A harvest, a harvest dream. Okay, and his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. Now, I don't want to get into this because you know the story. He goes on and he even sees one where his, his brothers were like the stars and his, his mother and father were the sun and moon and they all bowed down to him as well. And he was awesome and they all got really concerned and probably a little insecure. But that's not my point here in this particular case. In this particular case, Joseph had a visitation or a dream from God that was authentic destiny. <coughs> and the place that Joseph got it, had, that Joseph got this dream or this vision or visitation, because they're all of the above, was a place of faithful submission and serving. Let me just open up my notes here. When he was in a position of serving his father and submitting to his father, because he was 17, he was of age to be a man at that point. Okay, now all his brothers worked for his dad, and his dad was actually like a Bedouin king. You guys know what a Bedouin is? A Bedouin was basically roaming nomads, like out in the... Um, the, the, the uh, Sahara, and out in that Ara uh, Arabic general Middle East area, they would have these tents, but they weren't just a couple of campers hitchhiking through the desert. These guys were actually like kings. They, their tents were palatial. They had, I mean, if you actually go and look at the history with Abraham, he had a small army of 300 servants. He didn't have a castle. He had a whole bunch of tents. It, he was very rich, he was very wealthy, he was very well established. He was not, it wasn't just mum and dad, the brothers and a couple of goats bleeding out tied up to a stick outside. It was a little small empire that moved through the desert. So, so there was a small empire going on here because this was the generational transfer of that blessing. That this was the fourth generation now of inheritance from Abraham, speaking of Joseph. So Joseph was actually postured in a place of submission to his father. He didn't say, I'm going to get up and go do my own thing. He stayed in a posture of, of submission, but he also was an act of service. And in that place, an encounter came to him where he saw his destiny. Now, I want to take a minute to stop and talk about what the destiny cost him, but I don't have time with that today. All I can tell you is that the vision or the encounter will always invite you to a grandeur or, or a great scene of purpose. But God does tend to withhold the price tag. We know that Joseph went on to, not long after, self-inflicted arrogance caused wounds where he was beaten up, thrown into a pit. His brothers sold him for a price. He became a slave to the nemesis enemy of Israel. The guys that took him away were the descendants of your boy Ishmael. So he got sold to the enemy. 
if you can imagine that. So there was hostility that they didn't just give them to anyone, they gave them to the ones that hated them the most. <clears throat> and then he got taken and he was put into, into Potiphar's house, who was like the general over Egypt. He served there, he was falsely accused by a coveting wife. He then was put in prison and forgotten for 14 years. 14 years. This was not cable and the gym out in the courtyard. This was a dungeon of no light and you just don't come out. He was forgotten in there and his prophetic gift actually helped save him. But while he was there, the Bible says, is that iron went into his soul. See, some of you have dreams and visions that God has given you through encounter, but you don't yet have the spine or the, or the strength, the wisdom or the discretion to walk in the fullness of that. We believe, we all believe, because we glimpse into the future that we're ready. Because we're looking through the eyes of faith. But what we don't really ever know in the moment, none of us, is how unqualified we really are. And so there is a process and a journey that you are going to go through so that when you do step into all the sheaves bowing down, it's not your identity anymore. And you do it with excellence and humility and de attention to detail with a highly honed gift. Does this make sense? So that's all just a side note. And I want to encourage you Actually, what I was going to speak on today was being encouraged in the season when you feel like you're in prison with a dream. That's what I was going to speak, but God just took me off a different road. So I'm going to talk about that another day. But I want to just quickly throw this out there. If God has spoken vision to you, if you know that you're made for more, but you feel trapped in a season where you can't get past this glass ceiling, just hang on. Because what's happening to you now in the unannounced classroom of being hindered being uh, suffering, uh, being held back, or even feeling persecuted, whatever that looks like, being disadvantaged, whatever that looks like, it actually is the greatest qualifying place if you will just walk through it properly. So do not be discouraged in the darkness of your captivity, though it feel like you have been somehow mistreated, or it feels like God has forgotten you. He hasn't. When God says something, it is taken to the bank for sure going to happen if you walk it out right. This is so important. So I want to encourage you, the fact that you are going through difficulties is a good sign that you're heading in the right direction. It never feels like it, and we're so busy trying to get out of the prison that we don't understand how valuable the prison is. This happened to me, that happened to me. And we make the prison our story rather than holding the dream. That's why I love Jesus at the cross because on the cross, he didn't become the cross. The cross became Jesus. So I want to encourage you because some of you, while you're excited about the destiny and the dreams and the purpose that you know you have, it can be so hard because you feel schizophrenic, if I can say it that way, because you feel torn between the dream that God's given you and the reality of that's holding you back. Just hang on. You're going to make it. 
You don't want to make it too soon because the stuff that's in you that isn't going to help needs to leave before you can come out of the prison. Okay, anyway, that wasn't what I was going to preach. It was what I was going to preach, but it's not what I'm going to preach here. So you can also see this, and I'm not going to turn there right now because I do need to move. I did promise I'm going to try and do a short sermon today. You can see the same level of submission and service in young Samuel when he was committed to the temple. He was committed to the temple by his mother because his mother said, God, I'm barren, and if you will give me a son, I will give him to you for your service. And so she was faithful to her word. She committed Samuel to the temple who came under Eli. Now watch this. Whose eyes had grown dim, whose sons were committing harlotry. They were sleeping with prostitutes on and in the temple and they were taking things from the offerings that they should have never touched. Okay, so Eli had bad fruit, but God chose to put one of his best weapons right underneath him to be trained. Come (laughs) Come on, somebody. What do we find a young Samuel? Young Samuel was, five, I believe, five or eight years old. And he's in the temple. Samuel. And he runs down, his little pitter-patter of his feet run down the hallway. Yes, Eli? You called? No, I didn't call. Runs back, goes back to bed. Samuel. Pitter-patter of the feet. Yes, Eli? What's going on? Runs back. Samuel, I know it was you this time, Eli. Stop messing with me. No, it wasn't me, but I think I know what's happening. Next time the voice calls, you answer, here I am, Lord. Here I am, I'm your servant. Speak to me. You see, in the place of being submitted and serving, authentically submitted and serving with a good heart, encounters are coming your way. It is an attractant that compels and provokes the revelation of God's goodness to be made manifest to you. Someone getting this? So if you, you know, it's like, well, God hasn't really spoken to me. I'm telling you right now how to get God to speak to you. You might not like the package. Oh, I don't really know if I trust anyone yet. That's fine. You just won't have encounters. Maybe you will. But this is the surefire way to get them. You find someone that you can trust and you submit to them. And you serve God's house. What does that do? It's like ground bait in the water to God. God God is coming to you. Does this make sense? So first point is submission and service. See, this starts to separate out the orphans from the sons. Because submission, submission and service looks very threatening to someone that's decidedly an orphan. But someone that's truly after being a daughter, being a son of God, is going to say, God, I'm not even here because I'm going to get an encounter. I'm going to do this because you love me and I love you. And I want to bless you and out of that place. It's not some sort of little merchant swindling thing. It's an authentic exchange of I love you and because of that I want to lay my life down for you. Someone getting something? Good. Second point, you can go with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 8. Now there were, this is just after Jesus had been born. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields. Now I've spoken about this before. These were Levitical shepherds looking after the Levitical sacrificial lambs. 
These were the spotless lambs. So these were special shepherds. They weren't just any shepherds. These were shepherds that actually would care for these particular sheep and make sure that they were fed, that they were healthy, and that they stayed clean. These weren't just shepherds where they would go to sleep and wake up in the morning and make sure all the sheep were still there. These were shepherds that these sheep were so important that they had watches around the clock. They had three different shifts. Okay. Keeping watch of their, over their flock at night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring to you good tidings. Now, here, this is interesting. A lot of people say, Oh, I've had encounters here, I've had encounters there. Now, there's dreams where God comes and speaks to you. Like, God, I had a dream last night. God was speaking to me in the dream. There's encounters where you will actually have a spirit realm manifestation and it will most likely freak you out for real <laughs> most of the time when I've ever seen anything it's like whoa like it you there's nothing that can prepare you for an angel standing right in front of you it's just like well that's different no it's not it's like ah, oh my gosh <laughs> or, oh my god okay because all the times that angels showed up, people fell on the ground like dead men or they'd be freaking out. And the angels would normally have to say, even when it was the angel of the Lord, God himself, do not be afraid. So a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I was speaking with Moses last night. And I'm like, were you? Because you're pretty casual about it. <laughs> I think maybe you were doing some other kind of Moses. Anyways, we'll just move right along. So do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you on this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find this babe uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, sorry, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So the one angel that was received caused their eyes to be opened because the other angels were there all along. This is just the way it's written. All the angels were there. Their ability to accept what the angel was saying caused an exposure of greater insight where they saw all the other angels worshipping God. They saw a whole host of angels. So here's the next point. Faithfulness and dedication to the king to your local church, to what God's asked you to do. Now, can I say this? These guys weren't shepherds with an agenda. These guys may have been out there 40, maybe 50 years, their whole lives, watching these sheep. They weren't like, well, I'm going to give God three years, and if he reveals to me his will, then I'm going to stick it out. They just stayed faithful to something that looked to everyone else, because the priest was the one on the day that would lead the sheep up to the altar. The, the shepherd wasn't some, like, you know, finally get my chance. They just handed them off at the back of the temple entrance. And then they went back out to the field. You see, but there was a faithfulness about this role that God took delight in and caused the angel to come to these guys. Because these guys were looking after the sacrificial lamb and they got to go see the next sacrificial lamb. Isn't that powerful? Okay. 
So faithfulness and dedication will cause the goodness of God and the revelation of God's uh, purpose over your life to be attracted to you. Here's my point. This also can be seen in Mary, the mother of Jesus, where the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says, you have been found. There it is, faithful. God is looking for someone that will consistently be found faithful in play, out of play, in season, out of season, not doing it for notoriety, but doing it because I've decided to follow Jesus and I'm going to walk this thing out. Does this make sense? <clears throat> the, other, the other thing that the angel said to Mary was that she'd been found highly favored of the Lord. Your faithfulness will attract the favor of God and cause him to be attracted to you. Every one of us in this room wants to be highly favored of the Lord. Okay? You don't want to be the passable son, the passable daughter that just scrapes through. You want to be found highly favored because you're in play doing the things that he's told you to do, even if it looks like you're the guy in the car lot. Listen, guys, we value kingdom very wrong. That's why I always point at this thing. This is not the apex of Christianity. Do you understand that you greeting someone at the door, you can get the same reward that I get? Do you understand that you being faithful with greeting people into the car lot can get the same reward? It's about being faithful. Having dedication so that you will not waver in what you're willing to give and what you're willing to do in service. Faithful, dedicated. Second point. Third point. Someone with me today? You want encounters with God? This is how to get them. The third point. Did I read that? Yeah, I talked about Mary for a second. I'm giving comparisons so you can see it's not just one person. You can find this all through Scripture. You can find it. Look here. Joshua, the son of the... Uh, Joshua was the son of Nun, right? Not N-O-N-E, N-U-N. Okay. But he had faithfully served Moses for 40 plus years. Right? 40 plus years. He gets handed over the baton of leadership. He now has to take up courage and go into the promised land. Can anyone tell me what happened? Okay, maybe you haven't read this lately, but let me, let me just help you with this. The angel of the Lord appeared before Joshua. Joshua falls down like a dead man, and when he stands up, the angel's holding out a giant blue stone. Not a pebble, a jewel. It's in your Bible, go find it. So that's why I'm cool. If God wants to rain diamonds and stuff here, we can go take those and buy a building. I'm good with that, okay? But that's cool encounters, right? It's in the book that you call the Bible. It might not be the kind of encounter that you were thinking was about, I was about to tell you. You might have been like, because the thing is, is that with encounters, sometimes we're so caught up. If, if, if I can just put this as a little side note, if you're taking notes. Sometimes with encounters, we're so caught up in trying to get destiny revealed that we miss out on moments of intimacy with God that he just wants to reveal a piece of his heart. God, what is it that you want me to do? Who is it that you want me to be? Here, let me just show you that I love you. Here's a jewel. 
What did Jesus do? Jesus could have rained meteors out of the sky, but he chose to make fish sandwiches for people. Do you get it? God is a lot more literally down to earth. Jesus proved that. So, <laughs> but a boom. <laughs> He's a lot more down to earth than you think, and he wants to be relatable with you. Okay, so. Okay, let's go to uh, first book of Kings, chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to start reading real quick. Uh, now, so David had just passed away. Solomon had just stepped in. I'm going to probably move through this quickly because I've preached on this passage before. Now, the king, this is Solomon, went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, and for that, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Now those burnt offerings were oxen. Do you want, has anyone ever gone past the paddock and like counted out a thousand cows? Because I haven't. It's like, oh, there's a couple of hundred cows. There's a thousand oxen. And by the way, an oxen is bigger than a cow. So talk about carne asada. This was like next level. This was next level, man. A thousand cows killed and burnt on the altar. Okay, now the cost of that, I mean, in today's market, today's market, a cow could go anything from eight hundred to two and a half thousand dollars. Okay, so that's serious. Right? Do the math. So, so Solomon, in his time proportionally, was incredibly wealthy. The, the gift he gave to Queen Sheba years later was worth billions. Not millions, billions. In today's economy. If you translate the amount of gold he gave her, it was in the billions. This is insane. It's totally crazy. This guy walked in favor with God on a crazy high level. Now watch this. He gives an offering to God. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. Coincidence? I think not. Offerings get God's attention. An offering is a sweet-smelling incense that my wife talks about it often. It goes into the bucket, but it comes up as incense before God. It's literally like, you know, beam me up, Scotty. What are those things, those transmogrifier things where they put them in the portal and they, they beam off into other places? It's taking a physical money... And it literally goes before the throne of God. So there is a translation between what I give and what gets to the throne. It's the only thing that I can port into heaven. Okay, some of you guys will get that later. Some of you guys are still like looking at me like puppy dogs. Um, so the Lord appeared to him in a dream by night, and God, God asked, What shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walks before you in truth. By the way, just before this in this chapter, um, Sol- it actually is said of Solomon that he walked in the ways of his father. Submission. Here he's showing respect because he's actually been raised right, and he's walking out principles This is how a young king can be catapulted ahead by taking heed on what he's learnt from his father who had to forge out a kingdom. When a father forges out a kingdom, if a young king's wise, he can go so much further. Okay. 
You've shown great mercy to my father David because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You've continued with this great kindness, uh, sorry, you have continued this great kindness for him and ha- have given him a son to sit on, a thr- on his throne. As it is to this day, now, O Lord, I have, uh, you have uh, made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. Humility. Notice that? I mean, you can't really be arrogant in front of God anyway, so good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, for real. You know, God, I'm doing pretty good, actually. He's like, no, I'm just, I need a lot of help, God. I don't really know anything. It's probably the right thing to say. <laughs> it's better for God to say, you know, you're actually doing better than you think, rather than, you, you know, Chill out, Johnny. You know? <laughs> then he says this. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. He paid attention to the fact that when his father sinned, counting people, that's, that's not loose words right there. His father got judged for counting. So he's saying, I'm sitting with a big group of people and there's two numbers to be counted because I don't want to get judged like my father. <laughs> You have chosen um, two numbers to be counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is this? Sorry, I'm having trouble today. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? He's also acting in the place of submission to God. He's not saying my subjects, these people that are mine. He's saying I am your servant. This is, this is a true leader. This is a true leader. There's too many pastors, I think I said this last week, there's too many pastors that believe their congregation is their property. See, this is not my property, this is my honor to serve God's people here. Not mine. Does that make sense? But I'll do it as if it's mine because I believe that a real shepherd has ownership whereas a hireling or a contractor has own personal interest in mind. You understand the difference? Contractor hiring, true shepherd. I want to be a shepherd. How about you? Okay, so let me fast forward this here. Then God said to him, because you've asked this great thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for uh, the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. So I'm guessing that that was an instant transformation. Boom. You just walked out of this dream smarter. It's like a little matrix download blowout. You just upgraded that new, that new thing. Okay. So that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. God gave him the ultimate XP package. All right, just blew him out. It's like just genius. It's blew him out. And I've also given you that you uh, what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone. I mean, honestly, I actually think that that Solomon walked into the situation with the wisdom of his father, so that he asked correctly. He had learnt from a child in the ways of God, listening to David, who'd known God from when he was a boy in the fields with a harp, and he asked right. And when you ask God right, this is, now, this is now wisdom for when you have the encounters with God. 
You want to have the wisdom so that you don't just get there, that you're able to stand in it and conduct yourself right. Because as a king, you could have said, hey, I need enough money to build this, or I need this to do that, or I need enough, I need a bigger army, or, you know, and God probably would have done it because he gave him an offering. But he asked an, a question, or he asked the request that caused a compounding answer of not only wisdom, but then God goes on to say that you'll have riches and honor so that there will not be anyone among you uh, like you among the king, all in, among the kings all of your days. So what he was saying was he was above all the other kings in the territory. He was smarter, he was wiser, he was richer. So if you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked in, then I will lengthen your days. Third point, offerings. When we bring offerings that are authentic, by the way, you know, check yourself. Don't just, at don't, January 1st, don't just figure out what you're going to make and say, okay, uh, what's the gross or the net of 10% of what I'm earning? Regularly check, God, what do you want me to give this week? Because everything I have is yours anyway. And if he gives you a high number, just un- look, honestly, we all freak out on those times, okay? But he's right. He's right. <coughs> now let me say this. Let me ask this question. Did God ask Solomon for a thousand oxen? No, he didn't. Solomon purposed in his heart to provoke God and create a moment, a notable sacrifice that then appointed God's attraction to come. So don't under, understand this. You don't have to sit there like a mannequin with God. Sometimes you do that with me. But don't do that with God. <laughs> no, I know you're really just concentrating. I, I, I get that. Okay. But don't just sit there like, you know, come home from work and Bex is talking to me and I'm just like, can we eat yet? Don't just have that with God. Get a little provocative with God. Don't just wait for God to move. Move Him. Oh, I don't feel like anything's happened lately. Have you given any extravagant gifts lately to God? I feel like I'm in a dry season. Have you sown extravagantly, recklessly, to the point where if God doesn't come and fix things, you don't know what's going to happen? (laughs) When was the last time you emptied your bank account out? See, that's the golden cow for some of you because that's really your God. See, if I'm making you mad right now, I'm doing my job. And you know I love my job. Because the thing is, is the second you put your trust in your finances, you've just removed your trust from God. If God can't turn up to you and say, I want everything that you've put in that little nest egg, do you trust me? And you say, no, I don't, I'm keeping it. I'm going to pretend like this conversation never happened and I was just having a weird imagination moment, God. Oh, man, now we're just killing cows. Hopefully a thousand. Little golden ones. The thing is, the second that happens, you're actually denying God the ability to bless you. Too many of us are waiting for God's instruction on this area 
when we could be provoking him by proactively. You know, like, I don't call Bex ahead of time and say, hey, maybe you could just kind of lay out, a, like, you know, some candles and a little bit of a surprise dinner, and I'll just pretend like I didn't see it coming. <laughs> Would that be all right? And then I walk in the door, it's like, no way, I could, no, oh, this is amazing. All the kids are in bed, this is amazing. No, but if she does that, and I walk in, and everything's just dialed, and there's mood lighting, and, you know, a little roast beef up on the table, and, you know what I mean? Some nice vegetables, and dessert, and, yeah, and it's just, wow, you thought about all this for me? You get what I'm saying? And I walk in and it's like, wow. And what it does is it provokes me to want to bless her. And too much time, we're, talk, we're calling God, we're waiting for God to call us and tell him to get a little surprise dinner ready with our offerings. I know this is going off trail with a couple of you and your belief systems right now. But maybe, just maybe, this is a new dynamic in God that you've never seen before. Hello. You, some of you single people are like, man, I'm going to be so spontaneously romantic. You don't even know. My, listen, my husband doesn't even know what's about to hit him. That new wife I'm going to get? No. No, see, we think about that stuff, but what about God? Come on. Provoke God with reckless generosity and watch what he does. Point number three. My alternate story for this, I thought I'd have a couple of extra ones in there in case like, he's twisting the scriptures. I don't like what he did there. Not that you're really thinking that. Was Cornelius, who was a Gentile, who gave alms to the poor consistently, which by the way, alms actually is charitable giving. Right? gave charitable giving, he was blessing the poor, a Gentile. No covenant yet with the Jewish kingdom of the covenant that Israel, Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had. He's outside of the equation. And he's giving to the poor. He was a righteous man, God-fearing, but he wasn't in the covenant. He obviously knew God was out there somewhere, but he was doing right. And what happened was his giving... By the way, the Torah didn't apply to him. Do you understand this? The Torah did not apply to him. His giving, the Bible says, an angel came to Peter, an encounter where someone's doing something and the angel turns up to another guy. Angel comes to Peter and said, there's a guy called Cornelius and he's been giving in such a way that it's come up before the throne of God like sweet-smelling incense. And because of that, the floodgates are open and now all of us Gentiles are now invited into the kingdom because of one man's giving. Unrequested, unscripted, unprompted offerings cause encounters that change everything. Sometimes... Our idea of an encounter is God walking into the room. And trust me, that's the apex for me. I want that. But sometimes encounters look a little different than what we hope them to be. Someone getting something today? 
Sometimes it'll be a dynamic shift in your life. Sometimes it'll be someone, God speaks to them, and they come to you and like, God spoke to me last night. Everything changes in a moment. Right? Sometimes it'll be a dream. Sometimes you'll have an atmosphere of God just come and fill your room and flood you, and you don't see anything, but you just get wrecked, and there's just the potent, thick presence of God just surrounds you, and you weep for hours. That's an encounter. Okay? So don't just hear these stories and say, well, I don't have those. Well, maybe you're going to. So let me run through these real quick, and then I'm going to close. Someone getting something today? We need this. Submission and service. Submission. You've got to submit to someone. Faithfulness and dedication. Faithfulness and dedication and offerings. Point number three. God wants to encounter you. How much do you want to encounter him? I've actually left the offering right till the end because we're going to take up the offering right now and we're going to give to God. And I want us to give to God through this mindset that we want to get his attention. God, I'm not just doing this as a deadbeat mannequin. Is that right? Because I, I, I always said mannequin. And Bex, my wife was like, it's not mannequin, it's mannequin. I'm like, it's just a plastic looking person. One of them things that people put clothes on and try and sell you stuff. Sometimes those things that you turn around in the store sometimes and freak out because you thought it was a real person. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) God wants to encounter you. You want to be encountered by God, but the awesome part is is that God wants to encounter with you more than you've ever wanted to be encountered. You're going to have your own unique journey. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's an audible voice. Maybe it's visions. Maybe it's an actual spirit realm encounter where the God, God's world opens up in front of you or you go up to heaven. Who wants to, have, who wants to have visitations up to heaven? I want to have some visitations. I've had it a couple of times. I want to have it a whole bunch more. Okay? There is nothing... Aside from your walk with Jesus and, you know, the cross and all that, but there's nothing outside of all those main pillars that's going to encourage you more than a visitation from heaven, than an encounter with God. There's nothing that's going to shift your life on that level than an authentic encounter with God. Everything can change. Perspective can change. You know when you've been battling something and God just shows up, he's like, it's not that, you're looking at it wrong, it's this. And you're like, oh, wow. So this is actually a good thing? I've been like fighting this thing this whole time. It's actually good. That can change your whole life where you start working with God rather than fighting him. Just the revelation of something that changes in your life where you've been, you've been seeing something as the enemy and all of a sudden you realize this. Like, you know, can you imagine Joseph at the end of his life? Well, not the end of his life, but Joseph in, in, in his prime when he's the prime minister of Egypt and the ones that beat him and sold him for money and lied to their own father come into his domain now, his kingdom where he could have had all their necks broken in a second and his encounter with God over the years changed him so much that all he did was weep he stood there and wept hid his tears from them and then he set them up on a little encounter of their own, if you know the story but it all worked out for good Who here wants an encounter with God? Really, really, if you're serious, put your hand up. 
We all need encounters with God. I need more encounters with God. I pray you get them. Now, there's a good chance you're going to get them sitting the way you are right now today, but I'm telling you there's an amazing chance if you put these three things into play in your life. Because, and, and when I say these things, I'm not just talking about a one-off, let's test God out. I'm talking about where you adopt these three things as a lifestyle and they start to become the way that you live out your life. Let's just wait six months and see if that does anything. Nope, that's got to be just something you adopt into your life and this is who I am now. This is who I'm going to be. I'm going to walk this thing out and I'm not going to quit. All right, why don't we stand to our feet? It wasn't quite as short as I was hoping, but I needed to cover a few points. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you want to encounter us and transform us through encounters more than we even understand. We want encounters with you, God. Show us the things that we need to do and, be, and cause us to be brave enough and reckless enough to get a little bit proactive and start doing unscripted, unprompted acts that would cause you to be drawn towards us and encounters God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for today. I speak life over every person, Father. I thank you that hindrances are being destroyed, blockages are being removed, and in the name of Jesus, encounters are coming to every single person. If, you, if you're really serious about this encounter business, I want you to come stand up the front as an act before God. Jesus, we need encounter. We need encounter with you, God. We need to get wrecked in moments of all of your atmosphere showing up and taking over ours. You remember when Elisha was standing in the city and it was being besieged and his servant was freaking out? Elisha was having an encounter right next to someone who wasn't having an encounter that was causing his perspective to be different than everyone else's. When disaster hits, you want encounter because it causes you to see everything differently. Instead of being afraid and full of fear, you can actually be full of joy and hope. Instead of being intimidated by what the enemy's been trying to put on you, you actually start having confidence and boldness. Instead of, instead of being paralyzed with with, with fear of all the possible outcomes, you start getting full of faith and hope of what the real reality pending is. So in the name of Jesus right now, God, we stand here before you. We are desperate for encounter. We are desperate, God, for dreams and visions and spirit realm experiences, God. We ask that you would come to us, and as we step out in these areas, God, as we go after service, some of us are serving well already, God. Help us serve more. Some of us are submitted, God. Some of us are struggling with submission. Help us with these areas. Help us get the orphan out of us that's been holding us back from true, authentically being in play. God, in the areas of offerings and giving to you, God, and giving up sacrificial uh, giving and, and offerings and, 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 and yielding things over God. In the areas where we struggle or we feel like, you know, that poverty mentality has us so choked up, just rip that stuff out of us, God. Dismantle us and disarm us so that we can actually engage with you in the way that causes great breakthrough. Let our lives be like 
Cornelius, let our lives be like Solomon God, where our giving causes eruptions and portals and gateways to open over our lives, over our, our community, over this church, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Let our lives transform society and our own personal lives with our giving. In Jesus' name. Let that be one of the great ways that we are changed and we make change. In Jesus' name. We want encounter with you, God. We want encounter with your world. We want encounter with your kingdom. We want to have encounters not just of purpose, but of intimacy. Not just of mission, but identity. Not just of the details, God, of what we need to know, but of how great your love is. The exciting things, God, like jewels popping out of your world. Bread being manifest, food being multiplied. Whatever that looks like, God, we want it. We want all of you. So we ask for encounters. We ask for encounters, God. We ask for encounters corporately. You know, I'm just seeing something right now. I, I feel like there's, there's a time, and I think I've said this before, I feel like there's a time coming where we're, we're going we're to be in a meeting and we're all going to see something together. I think that'll be awesome. Come on. Let us see stuff corporately, God, and let us see stuff personally and privately. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And God, let the jar in us being filled cause an overflow that changes everything and everyone around us. We refuse to be sumo Christians. Pseudo Christians. Quasi Christians. No, I'm not going to have that. We're going to be overflowing full to the brim with plenty left over for everyone around us. Sons and daughters of heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, why don't you bless someone today? Why don't you give someone a high five hug?